Hi, my name is Zach. Uh, I'm not the regular guy who's up here, but uh, I'm so glad you're here, especially if you are uh, a guest with us. I actually get the privilege of serving on our Celebrate Recovery team, and I love being a part of that. I love helping people find freedom from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's just amazing to be uh, a part of that. But that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, we're actually in a series on the book of Daniel, and Daniel is an incredible book of the Bible about a man and his three friends who stood unshakably in a time and in a culture that could so easily shake so many others. And don't you just love that, like that quality in people, like they're just unshakable, and it's like no matter what life throws at them, you know, they just stay steady, they keep trusting, keep following God through, through poverty, through sickness, through war, whatever, they just have this unshakable faith. In fact, we believe that if you're one of those people who are just unshakable, who just keep following Jesus, it'll make your life better and it will make you better at life. But the thing about following Jesus, and most of you know this, is that following Jesus isn't always easy. It's not always convenient. Sometimes following Jesus comes with a cost. For me, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I came to the point where I realized that I had, that the cost for me of following Jesus was to give up alcohol. And that's not for everyone, that's just for me. It became a distraction for me. Uh, earlier in my life, uh, things were kind of a mess, uh, more than kind of, they were just really a mess. But then when I'm 20 years old, I, I came back uh, to this place. God got a hold of me and I got plugged into a small group and reading my Bible and, and, and scripture and praying. And I, I was growing and eventually got plugged into ministry, but I just kept going back and forth on this drinking thing. And it's like my conscience is tugging at me and it's like you need to quit Drinking, I know you super spiritual people have never done this, but I'm looking for, through my Bible for like, you know, justification to keep doing it. And it's like, come on, there's no verses against alcohol, right? You know, Jesus turned water to wine. There's no verses against drinking, just against getting drunk. But eventually, I came to the place I had to realize that, that I had to make a choice whether or not to just keep limping along, drinking, being distracted, or if I was going to follow Jesus into the greater life that he had planned for me and pay the cost. And I'm not here telling you that you should or shouldn't drink. I mean, you already know the answer to that question. If you can have one every once in a while and it doesn't automatically lead to more, then that's great. But I mean, you know, if you're honest with yourself and you pay attention to your conscience, then you know when for you it's become unhealthy. That's not the point of this sermon. This isn't a sermon about drinking. That's just an illustration. My point is that following Jesus isn't always easy. It's not always convenient. Sometimes it costs you something. For me, it was drinking. For you, it might be something else. Because following Jesus always comes with a cost. But it's always worth it. Following Jesus will make your life better. It'll make you better at life. You'll live with fewer regrets, you'll make better decisions, you'll have more of a sense of intimacy and joy with your creator. But this is scary, right? It's like, it's scary to follow Jesus like that because, you know, I might have to, you know, give up something. I might miss out on something. In fact, that may be your story up to this point. Maybe you used to consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you know, but then it felt like he was asking too much from you, maybe to give up a, a job or a relationship or a group of friends. And it started this internal battle inside of you. And then you start, you know, looking for all these intellectual reasons to stop believing in Jesus. And then people ask you why you unfollowed and you list off all these reasons. But underneath it all, it's really because the cost of following just got too high. 
and then someone talked you into coming to a place like this and you still have that same old question, is it worth it to follow or should I just go with what's convenient? And I don't know what that area of life uh, might be for you. This may be something that you created, a mess that you made, maybe a, a bad decision, a bad relationship. Maybe it's a secret habit that you're walking into and you have to make the decision, you know, is it worth it to keep this, this habit secret? It's not that big of a deal right now, but I feel like if I don't get this under control, it might turn into a monster. Or maybe this is something totally out of your control. It's not your fault. It's, it's not something that you created, but you just feel like, you know, there's some pressure put on you, maybe at work or school to, to like, you know, conform to some kind of standard, report some numbers that aren't entirely accurate or do work that's not actually work that you've done. Maybe you've come to a place in your marriage where you're just frustrated and you feel like they're not, they're not meeting your expectations. You had all these, these great hopes for what marriage was going to be like and then you find out it's a lot harder than you thought it would be. And you have all the reasons in the world, all the justification to be mad at them, be frustrated with them and you know, dig in your heels and just, I'm right and this is where I'm going to stand. Or you can make the choice to follow Jesus and, and check your attitude with your spouse and love and respect them, whether it's reciprocated or not. Maybe you're at a place where you feel like you're being you know, called to step out of your comfort zone, step into ministry or a small group. I don't know. I don't know what that area of life is for you, but all of us as followers of Jesus, as people thinking about becoming followers of Jesus, we will eventually be faced with a situation where there's a cost to following Jesus. And if I do follow, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And so we're going to be talking about Daniel uh, chapter 3 today. We're going to be in a really popular story. You might could know it. Uh, and this, this story speaks to the issue that we're talking about. Is it worth it to follow or should we do what's convenient? The nation of Israel, they were conquered by the Babylonians. And so the Babylonians took a portion of the Israelites back with them to Babylon, including Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in this story, in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are faced with a moral decision. Am I going to do what's right? Am I going to follow? Am I going to pay the cost? Or am I going to do what's convenient? And for them, it was more than just a matter of convenience. For them, it was a matter of life or death. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. That's 90 foot tall and 9 foot across. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. And so the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And so imagine that you're a young Jewish man, you're living in 6th century BC, 
You've been taken a thousand miles from home. You're thrown into a completely foreign culture. You don't know most of the people around you. They mock your faith. They don't respect your God. But you work really, really hard, and so you manage to land a really good job as a provincial official over the province of Babylon. And even though everything in your culture makes it hard for you to follow God, you manage to stay faithful and you keep his commands, including the Ten Commandments, like, you know, the most famous set of commands ever. The first two of which are what? Stay away from idols and don't have any gods before me. And then one day you get a text message that says, whenever you hear the sound of the music, bow down and worship this idol. And by the way, if you don't, you will be thrown into a blazing furnace and die. I mean, this is a pretty intense situation. It's like burn or turn right here. I mean, the heat is on. And so when the music starts to play, do I bow down? with everyone else? Do I do what's easy? Do I do what's convenient? Do I do what I know guarantees my survival? I mean, they're talking about burning me to death, and it's like, I could fake it. I could just fake it. You know, God will understand. I mean, he doesn't want me to be thrown into a furnace, does he? Because, you know, I know the first two commandments, like, don't have other gods before you, uh, don't worship idols. Like, I get that, but this has got to be an exception, right? So what do you do? Do you follow or do you do what's convenient? Therefore, as soon as they, all the people, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And it's like, come on, everyone else is doing it. I mean, God, the cost is just too high. This has got to be an exception. I mean, I love you. Uh, You're the one true God. I get that. I know that. You know that. That thing over there, that's just a statue. It's a hunk of gold. It means absolutely nothing to me. And so I'm just going to pretend to worship. Actually, you know, I'll just pray to you, you know, in this direction that everyone else just happens to be praying, but I'll just pray to you and they'll pray to that thing and no one will know. It'll just be between me and you. So that way, you know, I can live to worship and serve you another day. I mean, that almost sounds reasonable, right? But that's not what they do. It says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. And I don't know why. Maybe they were racist. They were anti-Semitic. Or, you know, maybe they were just jealous of all the, the promotions and attention they got. But for some reason, these guys stepped forward and threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego under the bus. Because when you try to do the right thing, sometimes people try to burn you. And then it says, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre. Has anyone ever played a zither before? Me neither. Zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. And so furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? 
So I'm giving you another chance here. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound, because I'm giving you another shot, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image that I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Pause. I mean, this, this is an intense situation. The heat is on. And I'm given another chance to not completely, but just a little bit, to unfollow. To do what's easy, to do what's convenient, and keep on living or do I make a stand and probably possibly most likely give up my life I mean what would you do what should they do and before you answer that question remember we know the ending to the story right like we know that these guys their courage here in this moment makes them famous I mean they're they're written in the pages of scripture they're famous we sing songs about them and so we know that they made the right choice But the thing about life is, is that even though life makes sense looking backwards, it has to be lived forwards. See, they had no idea what was going to happen. All they knew is that God could be trusted. And even if you burn me, even if I'm thrown into the fire, even if I pay the ultimate cost of following, I will not bow down and worship your idol. And in the same way, there's going to be times in our lives where we have to decide, am I going to do what's easy? Am I going to do what's convenient? Am I going to do what even sounds to make sense? Or am I going to follow even if there's a cost? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They believe that he can save them, and they believe that he will save them. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. In other words, we believe that God exists. We believe God exists. We believe that we mattered him. We believe that he created us and he loves us. And so therefore we trust and we follow him. And what that means is, is that we can't take the convenient way out and we can't even pretend to worship your image of gold. And I know that the cost of following God is really, really high right now. I mean, you're talking about throwing our bodies into a furnace that will melt the flesh off our bones. But even in the face of that agonizing death, I will not bow down to your idol because our faith is bigger than our fear. I won't bow down to your idol because no matter the cost, it's always worth it to follow. The Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times, seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. 
So these men wearing their robes, their trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire even killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So when the heat is on, when it's hard to follow in the midst of a difficult situation, when it's hard to follow in a situation where there's a cost, when it's hard to follow in the face of a culture that's moving completely against you, remember these three things that this story teaches us. Number one, God will be with you. God will be with you. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. There's a lot of scholars who believe that this fourth person in the fire was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And even if it wasn't, even if it was just uh, an angel that God had sent to protect them, the point is that God didn't leave them alone in their fire. One of the greatest promises of the Bible is that God will be with you. It's all throughout scripture. I, I put a list in your outline of different verses that speak to this reality that God is always with us. They won't be on the screen, but they're in your outline. He says uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hey, I'll be with you. To Moses, right before he uses Moses to lead uh, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he says, hey, you can do this because I'll be with you. To Joshua, right before he conquers the promised land, he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, you got this because I'm with you. To the disciples, before he left the earth, Jesus said, hey, go out to all the nations, uh, make them followers of Jesus, teach them everything that I taught you, and you can do this because I'll be with you. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says to us, you can be content in any and every circumstance because God is with you. I know there's some pretty uh, gnarly situations out there. I mean, hopefully no one's being thrown into a furnace, but some of you are dealing with cancer right now. And it's like, how on earth am I supposed to follow, trust God in the middle of this stupid disease? You're stuck in a financial mess and you feel buried up to your eyeballs in debt and you know that God's got a plan for your finances, a way for you to be generous and debt-free, but it's like, how on earth do I trust him and, and, and trust in him to help me dig my way out of this mess? Or maybe you're strapped down, you're chained by an addiction and it's like, I know this isn't good for me, but I don't know how else to deal with the pain of my past, how to deal with the stress of my life in relationships. So how do I trust God to lead me out of this? But come on, come on. God is with you. I know that doesn't automatically fix your situation, but that gives you a new perspective on your situation. It's like when you're about to go through something really difficult or something new or uncomfortable and you call a friend or a family member and you're like, hey, can you be with me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. What do you need me to do? Nothing. Can you just, can you just come be with me? Sure, I'll, I'll be there. I'll bring this. I'll this. No, no, no. You can't do anything. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to be with me because if you're with me, somehow that makes it better. How much more when it's God that's with you? 
So in times where, where it's hard to follow, you got to remember, you got to remind yourself, hey, it's okay because God's with me. I don't have to have all of the answers because God's with me. I don't have to know exactly how this situation is going to turn out because God's with me. I don't have to worry about the cost of following because God's with me. And even though I can't fix this situation, I can still follow in this situation because God's with me. I mean, I'm talking about a totally new perspective here, a new mind shift, a new paradigm that changes the way that you see every problem, every decision, every relationship, changes every area of your life because if God is with you, what on earth is there to be afraid of? If God is with you, then what problem, what situation can't you handle with him? If God is with you, then what cost is too high? See, this isn't something that you just hear in church and then go on about your life. No, this is a reality that you need to take into every area of your life. You got to tell yourself over and over and over, it's okay because God's with me. I'm about to walk into a meeting and I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I know that it's going to be okay because God's with me. I'm about to walk into a test and I'm going to rock this test because God's with me. Or maybe I didn't prepare for the test like I should have, and so I'm probably not going to do as well as I should, but it's going to be okay either way because God's with me. You know, I'm in a financial mess. I have no idea how to get myself out, but we'll make it through because God's with me. I'm raising kids. It seems completely impossible, but it will become possible because God's with me. I'm chained up by, by an addiction, by a bad habit, and I, I don't know how to get myself out of this. I've been stuck in this for years, but I know that there's healing available. I know that I can work through this because God is with me. You got to wake up every single day and tell yourself, God is with me because he didn't leave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego alone in their fire, and he's not going to leave you alone in yours. God is with you. Second thing. God will be glorified. God will be glorified. Verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted. Look at the attitude change here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. I mean, that's a different attitude about their God. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. I mean, he's got a new uh, perspective here because typically when you throw three men into a blazing furnace, four men don't get up and start walking around unharmed. That's a little bit unusual, and that might just could change your perspective. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was not even a smell of fire on them. I mean, this is incredibly amazing. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is pretty rough, be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles because because no other God can save in this way. You see, the way that you handle your situation determines how the people in your life see God. When you follow God in the midst of a difficult circumstance, when you follow God when the heat's on, when you follow God when there's a cost associated with following, it glorifies 
him. Pastor Kelly, our founding pastor, says all the time that, that to worship, to glorify God, is to magnify God. And see, a magnifying glass, it doesn't make the object any bigger. It doesn't change the quality of the object. What a magnifying glass does is it makes the object appear bigger and clearer. And so in the same way, when you follow God in the midst of a difficult circumstance, it changes the way that the people in your life see God. Your friends, your family, your coworkers. When you follow God in the midst of difficult circumstances, they see God really, really big and really, really clear. I mean, this is an incredible opportunity to lead the people in your life to a God who saves, to a God who sends his son to earth to die for our sins, brings him back from the dead so that we can come back from the dead with him. I mean, there's a lot at stake when we follow God. We have the, the privilege, the opportunity to play a big role in God's story of making Jesus famous as the one who saves us from our sins. It glorifies God. Third thing. God will be rewarded, or God will reward you. He'll be rewarded, but he'll reward you too. God will reward you. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Another version says he caused them to prosper. So when you follow, you'll be rewarded. But I feel like I got to put a little caveat here because the reward is not always material. In fact, that's not even really what you want. So write, write in your notes, God will reward you in this life, the next, or both. In this life, the next, or both. If we back up a little bit, back to verse 16 and, and go over this again. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from it. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Even if he doesn't. I mean, how could they say that? It's because they knew that eventually God was going to reward them. Eventually God was going to reward them because we don't serve a temporal God. We serve an eternal God and he has all eternity to reward us. And so the cost of following, it's not always material. Usually you're given more, more opportunity, like incredible opportunities that you would never expect. But more than that, the reward of following is a sense of fulfillment, a sense of joy, a sense of, of peace and intimacy with your creator. And that's really what you want anyway. That's what all that material stuff tries to get you, is that sense of deep fulfillment, meaning, and purpose. And so even if you do pay the cost, it's worth it. It's worth it because God will reward you. Usually immediately with, with a deeper sense of fulfillment. Later on with more opportunity, but he's definitely going to reward you in the life to come. And so this is my last point. I'll close with this. Uh, if you've been catching up on Z's or, or counting the boxes behind me, go ahead and look up here. Don't miss this. Salvation is free. Salvation is free. It costs us nothing. In other words, because Jesus came to earth, died for our sins on the cross, came back to life, if we trust in him, we believe in him, we have a faith-based relationship with him, we're, we're completely forgiven, and we're welcomed into eternity with God forever. We're saved. It's free. It costs us nothing. But following Jesus 
will eventually cost you something. But here's the good news. You're probably not going to be thrown into a furnace. Okay, that's very unlikely. If that's a reality for you, then you need to call the police. But, I mean, when this moment comes, you're going to recognize it. You're going to know it. You're going to be like, that's that thing. This is what it looks like to follow. It's going to feel like a moral imperative, like something in your conscience, like this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Not for everyone. This is just for me. This is what it looks like. It's going to feel a little bit like you're getting burned, like you have to deny yourself, sacrifice something, maybe a little bit of time, a little treasure, a little talent, maybe a little comfort, but come on, come on. It's worth it. It's worth it. See, imagine if we could go back in time in history to this moment where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing face-to-face with the most powerful man alive. I mean, they're face-to-face with King Nebuchadnezzar, ruler of the known world. He's got an army behind him, and he's in their face saying, you need to bow down and worship my idol, or I'm going to throw you into a furnace that is going to singe the flesh off your bones. What if we could go into that moment and just encourage them and say, hey, it's worth it. It's worth it to follow. It's worth it to pay the cost. I mean, you guys are famous. I know this sounds crazy to you, but two and a half thousand years from now, we're going to be talking about you in church. We're going to be singing songs about you. We're going to be telling your story to our kids and our grandkids. You guys are famous. It's worth it to follow. Because one day, all of this is just going to be a story that we tell. All of our life, it's just going to be a story we tell. And so what kind of story do you want to be able to tell? Do you want to be able to say, I followed. I followed. Even when it was hard, even when there was a cost, even when I had to sacrifice something, I followed. And it was worth it. He was with me. He was glorified. He rewarded me. There was so much opportunity, such a, a sense of fulfillment and joy and meaning, it was worth it. Or do you want to have to say, you know, I have no idea what I missed out on because you only know what's on the other side of following if you follow. Would you pray with me? God, I know that this message is it's a whole lot easier to say than it is to live. And I know for me and probably for everyone in the room this morning, we've all been faced with situations where we've been called to follow and there's been times where we have failed to follow. Either because we were scared or we didn't want to give something up, we were just afraid of the cost. But God, thank you for your abundant grace that covers every single one of those situations. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, the forgiveness that we have through him that covers every single time we ever have or ever will fall short. But God, from this moment forward, give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the wisdom in times where it's hard to follow you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.